This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. A review of Princess Cruises, Regal Princess this week. Also, staff writer Richard Sims is here to get us caught up on this week's cruise news. As always, we have cruise radio news. The three things you need to know to start your day every Monday through Friday. You can find that just opposite of this channel or on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right, staff writer Richard Sims on deck. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So we reported last week on that rock slide in Skagway. And there's more to the story now. Yeah, this is actually turning into a very interesting and potentially scary story. Last month, there was a rock slide which did some damage to the White Pass and Yukon Route Railway dock in Skagway. That's a mouthful. Um, But it could have been a lot worse. There were no ships docked at the time and no passengers in the area. But engineers have looked at it and said the next time, and they're pretty sure there will be a next time, it could be a lot worse. In fact, this is a direct quote from their engineering report. They said, quote, the consequences of such failure will be catastrophic in nature and with significant risks to life and property, unquote. So when you hear something like that, you know, catastrophic and, you know, life and death, that's not good. So they are basically not using the forward berth right now. And that means that some lines have had to see closures, especially Princess. Princess is skipping um, the port for several sailings. Now, not all sailings, because there is more than one place to dock in Skagway. So, you know, it, it's almost like a lottery, you know, did your does your ship get to go or does it not? But the thing is, there's there's no real way of knowing how long this is going to be, you know, impacting future cruises, because obviously this is a very dangerous situation that they have to figure out how to rectify. And it's not as if you can simply just pick up the, you know, the, the dock and move it somewhere else. So we'll be following this one for a while, I think. Yeah, I know out west when they're trying to um, prevent things like that happening, they use, they'll close the interstates down and use dynamite and stuff. So it'll be curious to see, like, once the season wraps up in September, October, if they'll kind of try to do something to mitigate that for next year's Alaska season. It'll also be interesting to see whether the cruise lines pitch in to pay for this. You know, I mean, this is obviously going to be an expensive project and the cruise lines have a lot to lose if that dock isn't, you know, secured. So, yeah, this is, like I said, we'll be following this one. Another U.S. cruise line drops pre-cruise testing. Last week, we saw Virgin Voyages drop their pre-testing requirement on both of their ships. And now... Uh, The Jimmy Buffett-themed Margaritaville at Sea Paradise is saying that vaccinated guests will no longer need to present a negative COVID test to board. They still recommend that all guests take one, but in line with the CDC's, you know, latest sort of movements, they're saying we're not going to require it. They do, however, require that unvaccinated tests, uh, uh, excuse me, unvaccinated guests present a negative test, and it has to be taken no more than a day before embarkation. That's, you know, that's a little bit tighter than what we see with most of the other lines, but it's also with regards specifically to unvaccinated guests. So that's sort of why I think they're they're cutting it so close to the wire is to be one day before. Plus, Margaritaville at Sea 
tends to do a lot of, you know, it's a short, it's a short cruise. It's, it's like two, three days. Um, you can do an open-ended cruise and it tends to do a lot of local business. So they probably figure that unlike people who are trying to say, let's say you're flying from New York to Florida in order to board a Norwegian ship or a princess ship or something, you have all that travel time you have to factor in. And that makes it a little bit difficult to do a test on the one day turnaround. So that's why they have a little bit more leeway there, I think. But with Margaritaville at sea, it's a lot more local traffic, so it's probably easier to sort of like, you know, run to your CVS and get a test that day. Carnival is reopening another dining venue after it was shut down earlier this year. We've heard all the cruise lines talking about the fact that they have had staffing issues, largely in part because they have so many people who have to get their visas cleared and there was sort of a log jam and, and it's been impacting all of the cruise lines. As a result, they had to cut back in some areas. And this included closing Cucina del Capitano, the really popular Italian specialty restaurant on board for dinner. It was still open for lunch, but it was closed for dinner. Well, things are getting better. The staffing levels are starting to, you know, sort of normalize. So Carnival's brand ambassador, John Heald, was able to announce that on August 6th, or starting August 6th, Cucina del Capitano will reopen for dinner. If you've been sailing on Mardi Gras, you're probably like, wait, I just ate there last week. And that's because Mardi Gras was the one ship on which Cucina did not close. What's kind of unusual about that is Mardi Gras is also the only ship in the fleet where Kachina is not a specialty restaurant. You would think that it being free on that ship, it'd be the first one to close down and the last one to reopen because, you know, you want to keep that that income flowing. But no, weirdly, the free one was the one that stayed open through this entire time. They're also seeing some other services start to return to normal as well. Some of the kids' programs, and uh, I was just able to book the chef's table for my upcoming trip on Carnival Magic, so I was really stoked about that because that's always one of my favorite things. So, you know, things are slowly but surely getting back to normal in the staffing division, and that's allowing them to get back to some of the things they had to drop. About a year ago, every week at sea, we were saying, oh, another ship is back in service. This ship's back in service. Well... That was a year ago because now we're saying, hey, it's been a year. Yeah, exactly. So Holland America just sailed the uh, just celebrated the anniversary of their return on July 24th of 2021. The New Amsterdam was the line's first ship back sailing out of Seattle. And so that was when it reached the one year mark. So a year later, on July 24th, 2022, it was actually in Whittier, Alaska to mark that. Now, all of their 10 ships are back in service. The Westerdam was the last to return. And that's that was on that was just a little while ago. It was on June 12th of 2022. There is sort of a weird exception here. We say all the ships are back, but in reality, the Volendam hasn't actually returned to paying service. But it's been housing Ukrainian refugees in Rotterdam since, I think, April of this year uh, as part of a deal that they made with the city of Rotterdam. But that ship will also return to paying customer service on September 24th of this year when it'll start sailing out of Italy. But I guess technically you could say the ship is in service for it being on the books because, as you just said, a deal they struck with Netherlands, they're not giving them that ship for free. 
Right, exactly. That's very true. I think one of the fun things, and if you go to Cruise Radio, you will find a story on this that has an infographic with some of the fun stats regarding milestones they've hit since the restart. For example, they've sailed over 500,000 nautical miles since the restart, and that would be the equivalent, according to their math people, of sailing to the moon and back two and a half times. Uh, they, my, my personal favorite of the stats was that they have served 3.5 million cocktails since the return. I'd like to point out that none of those have been to me, <laughs> but I will fix that in the future. And like, what was it, 150,000 gallons of ice cream or something like that? Yeah, that's a lot of ice cream. Yeah. And finally here, Virgin Voyages is coming soon to a TV station near you. So we started seeing ads for this a while ago. And what was kind of funny was at some point, Virgin Voyages was asked about this, and they wouldn't actually come out and say it, despite the fact that ABC had already started advertising. But what's happening is the Bachelorettes, and yes, it's Bachelorettes this season because there's two of them, uh, they filmed several episodes aboard Virgin Voyages' Valiant Lady. And I mean, it makes sense for a few reasons. First of all, a ship like that has lots of great places to stage the show's trademark dates, but... Also, The Bachelorette, like The Bachelor before it, sets up really unreal dating expectations. You know, like they go to these exotic places and do these exotic things. And now they're sort of doing it where cruising is concerned because the women are staying in the biggest rock star suite on the ship, which most of us will never even see. And I guarantee you that these women will not be like standing in line to get in a restaurant with their dates or, you know, going to guest services because their OBC didn't show up on their tab. <laughs> but it's it's going to be a fun chance to take a look at the ship and get to see it and some of the venues that they go to on their dates, stuff like that. And they will be on for several episodes. This isn't one of those things where um, I'm guessing you're probably not a big Bachelor fan, Doug, but usually they go, like maybe they'll go to Paris for a day or they'll go to, you know, Seattle for a day. This they will be on for a couple of weeks. By the way, we're going to get another reality show on a cruise ship soon because this fall, um, CBS is launching what they're calling the real love boat. And it's basically singles on a princess cruise trying to find romance. Weirdly, the couple who wins, you know, there's a bunch of couples on board, but only one couple wins. And I'm not really sure how you win something like this. But guess what one of the prizes is they get? Uh -uh, I don't know. Another cruise. Right. So they're going to spend all this time on a cruise ship competing to find love. I guess love is probably the real prize you're walking away with, but they will also get another princess cruise. So just like with this, um, the bachelor setup, or I'm sorry, the bachelorettes, this is going to be one of those things where it's another great chance to like, for those of us who love watching ship videos, uh, you know, or your ship tour videos that you make, things like that. This will be kind of fun because we get to see it. I'm a little... Uh, verklempt at the fact that they're basically calling it the real love boat like come on the the love boat is sacred you know that don't don't be messing with the love boat by turning mm -hmm. it into a reality show but i'm gonna cut them a little slack and probably watch because i want to spend some time on the ship now you know how this taping stuff works i have no clue so is this you think this has already been taped Virgin Voyages, yes, that was taped ages ago. They're okay. already, they have already by this point, they have made their decisions on which man is going to, they're going to propose to, and they've probably already figured out. Usually, what happens is one of the rejected guys 
becomes the next bachelor. And then at the end of the bachelor, one of the rejected women becomes the bachelorette. So that's how they keep the things going. So they're probably already setting up filming for, or even maybe filming next year's bachelorette. So yes. Uh, and it, it's a little unclear. I'm assuming there were other people on board at the time. Um, you know, we heard a while back that um, 90 day fiance had done some filming on on a ship and and you would see things online with people saying hey this couple from 90 day fiance is on our ship you really didn't see any of that with this it really so i don't know if they made everybody on board sign like non-disclosure agreements or if they had the ship to themselves which i kind of doubt it would be weird um but we'll see as it unfolds i guess yeah and also if you remember valiant lady canceled a handful of sailings um a couple of months ago so that also could have been why I bet that's exactly right. Doug, oh. I think you've cracked the case. Congratulations. Right. Listener question comes from Kristen. Email yours, Doug at cruiseradio.net. I have a Norwegian cruise line sailing coming up on Escape. I just noticed there is a Starbucks coffee package, which I've never seen before. Am I looking at this correctly? Kristen, you are. If you're a coffee fiend, this is actually a pretty good deal, especially when you consider the price of a Starbucks cup of coffee. It's basically unlimited Starbucks coffee um, for $12.95 per person per day, plus you know the gr- gratuity that they always add to these packages. Um, one thing you want to be careful about before jumping at this offer is make sure you know what you already get with previous offers. And why I say that is, for example... Um, if let's say when you were booking, you bought the drink package and you said, oh, you know what? We drink a lot of tequila. We should get the premium drink package so that we can make sure that that's covered as well. The premium drink package actually does include Starbucks coffees. So if you have that, you don't need to also purchase this. But if you don't have a drink package or if you have the regular drink package, which does not include Starbucks coffee, $12.95 a person a day. I mean, I know how much coffee you drink. You would definitely get your money's worth out of this. Yeah, because especially coffee on a ship is like what six or seven ninety five. Yeah, so like if you had two coffees a day, it does not yeah. include food. It's worth mentioning it does not include food, but it includes like you know the coffees, the teas, all of that stuff. So if you're a coffee drinker and you can't live without your Starbucks, which by the way, there will supposedly the plan is to have a Starbucks on every single Norwegian ship by I think the end of the year. Um, they they actually announced this quite a while ago. They announced it uh, I want to say at least a year ago. And they are now moving forward with that. And obviously, they've got this big deal in place with Starbucks. So you not only will you be able to get Starbucks on your ship, but you will be able to get a package covering all of your caffeinated and uncaffeinated needs. Now, if you could just sleuth around and find out when they'll finally be reopening um, H2O on Norwegian Epic, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, you know, it's kind of unusual because they're they're closing that for maintenance for a while, they said. And... That is one of the biggest outdoor spaces on that class of ship. So that's kind of a big loss. And they actually know that because they're giving people 50 bucks, you know, onboard credit because they realize that, oh, we're taking away this big space. I kind of hoped that when they announced this, they would say that the Spice Beach Club, which is basically that ship's version of the Vibe Beach Club, which we all know I love so much. I thought maybe they would say that that's going to be open to everyone on this sailing because it would be a nice way of giving a little more public space and a little more, um, you know, since you're taking away what is probably the biggest space on the ship uh, from an outdoor space perspective. But they do not seem to be doing that. So, All right. Well, that's a... Keep our ear to the ground on this one. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always, thanks, my friend. As always, glad to be here. Breaking news as 
It happens online and on demand at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. So Jennifer and her friend just returned from a seven-night Mediterranean cruise. It was on Princess Cruises, Regal Princess. It went from Barcelona to Rome, and she joins us on the line. How you doing, Jennifer? I'm doing well, Doug. How are you? Good. Excited to hear about this. We haven't heard of um, a Regal Princess review in a little while. You're from uh, Florida as well, right down the road here at, down in Gainesville, Florida. So let's take a step back before we actually get to the cruise. What made you want to take this seven-night cruise over in the Mediterranean? Yeah, so my friend and I that was going with me, we had been talking about doing a trip together for a long time. And I have cruised here in Florida, in the Caribbean, in the Bahamas, but never done a Mediterranean cruise and I had never been on princess before. So this seemed like a good opportunity to do both of those things. The dates worked out. We found a good rate and off we went. Was this your first time ever cruising in Europe? Yes. But have you been to Europe before? I have been to Europe several times, but this is my first time on a cruise over there. Was it intimidating at all? Like, you know, you normally like we're going to the Caribbean or Alaska or wherever. It's kind of just, we go to the destination and boom, we're off to the races. But did anything, um, intimidate you when it came to you know doing this cruise over there? Not a ton. Um, I've done a fair amount of independent travel in Europe before. So like getting to the ship and all of that was not a challenge to me. I think the only thing I was really worried about was, you know, if you're flying here domestically and, and something goes wrong with the flight, usually there's another flight you can jump on the next day or later on that day. But if you miss a flight to Barcelona, there might not be one for a day or two. So I was a little worried about that. But once we were in the air and on our way, no worries on my end. How did the testing work for your cruise? Like, did the country require you to be tested or just the cruise? Spain was where we entered the EU and we did have to provide uh, proof of vaccination to enter Spain. They were also accepting proof of negative test, but for our purposes, we were just able to provide proof of vaccination. And then for the cruise itself, we did have to provide either an antigen or PCR test taken no sooner than two days before embarkation. So mm. That actually worked out pretty well for us. We were able to test the day before we flew out right here in the States and had results in hand. We did the rapid antigen, um, had results in hand before we even got on the plane. Did you do any pre-cruise time in Barcelona? We did. So we actually flew into Madrid because the the flight time seemed to work out a little bit better uh, and spent a few hours in Madrid and then took the train over to Barcelona and spent a night and most of the next day in Barcelona before we got on the ship. How long of a train ride is that? Uh, about two and a half to three hours. So not bad and yeah. direct. There were, it was a fast train, and so it didn't make any stops between the two. 
Very cool. So you make your way to the cruise terminal over in Barcelona. How was the embarkation process? Yeah, it was really easy and smooth. We took a taxi from our hotel in Barcelona right to the port. One of the great things about cruising there is the port is you can almost walk to it from downtown. I wouldn't, but you could if you really needed to. So it was only about a 20 minute taxi ride from our hotel. Um, They dropped us off right at the, the front door of the terminal. One of the interesting things about this itinerary was there were a lot of people on the ship who were doing two or three or four itineraries right in a row on the same ship. And so for that group of people, Barcelona was just a port day for them. So getting on the ship, I think there were about 1,200 of us getting on the ship that day. Mm-hmm. So it was quiet. Like there weren't hardly any people waiting. It took us five or six minutes to get through security and five or six minutes to get our information checked. And then we walked right on the ship and our room was ready and our bags were there. You mentioned that you got a taxi going over to the Barcelona cruise port. And I will tell you, having have walked it from the city center twice, it is a haul over that bridge carrying <laughs> luggage. Yeah, that didn't look fun and it was hot. Yeah, so I was happy sucks. to have a taxi. So you make your way on board Regal Princess. What were your first impressions of the ship? I was really impressed, to be honest. She has just come out of a, a short dry dock. And I think all they did during the dry dock was kind of touch up some paint and shine things up and maybe replace some of the linens and things in the in the rooms. But the ship was sparkling. It was clean. That main atrium is so beautiful with the twin spiral staircases, and the big chandelier, and you know everything's kind of uh, cream colored and brown and blue and very classic looking. I was really impressed. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for the seven night cruise? And what did you think of it? Yeah, so we we had just booked a standard inside. Um, I tend to find that inside in the center of the ship actually is the best for me when it comes to seasickness and motion. And our stateroom was really nice. It was kind of laid out differently than a typical inside. So in this one, instead of kind of coming in that hallway and having the bathroom off to the right and the closet and then the, the bed area, in this one, you came in and the two beds were right there and the desk area was on the left. And then you kind of went to the end of the room and made a left down a little hallway and there were closets in the bathroom back there. So it felt a lot more spacious to us. And we had plenty of room, plenty of storage. There were three closets plus a shelf rack. We didn't pack super light, but we could have probably each brought twice as much stuff and had plenty of room. The uh, interior rooms on those Royal class ships, is there an adequate closet space right there by the bathroom entrance? Yeah. So there was um, two kind of standard wardrobe closets with racks to hang things. And then there was also a closet. It looks kind of like a linen closet where it would have five or six shelves. And then another closet skinnier with shelves that had a door and that's where the safe was. And then also some other shelves you could put things on. Okay. Let's talk about dining on this seven night cruise. And we'll start at the top at the uh, whatever. I forgot what they call their Lido deck. What, what do they call it on there? It's like the Horizon, Horizon Court. Yeah, that's Horizon it. Bistro. Yeah. yeah. So how was the buffet um, area? It was great. We ate there most days for breakfast, a couple of days for lunch. And then we kind of created a bad habit of going there every night after dinner just to see what was there on the buffet for dessert. So We had really good experience. Um, Pretty much everything that we ate was hot and fresh. I really liked that on the nights we were in different areas, you know, they had kind of themed section of the buffet. So like, for example, when we went to Gibraltar, um, they had a British food section so you could get your fish and chips or your toad in the hole or whatever it is that you're really excited about Mm. for British food. That's probably not the best example to use (laughs) because so much of the other food in the Mediterranean is more fun, but 
most of the buffet was open. There were a couple of sections that were not. Everything was serve yourself with the exception of the salad bar. And then obviously the like the omelet station and carving stations. Gotcha. What kind of pool food eats does Regal Princess have? They have like a, a grill, you know, burgers, hot dogs, hamburgers, that kind of thing. And then also Regal or Princess in general, their onboard service with the medallion class is pretty cool. So you can order kind of quote unquote room service no matter where you're at on the ship. So things like chips and guacamole or a fruit plate or a club sandwich or things like that. We did that several times, just kind of sitting out on deck and, oh, I'm hungry for some fruit. I'll just order it on the app and they'll bring it right to me. Nice. And how about the main dining room? What time dining? Actually, I guess Princess only does um, anytime dining, right? Yeah, they only do anytime. Yep. So we had made reservations for the main dining pretty much every night. Um, Not having sailed Princess before, I wasn't sure if that was necessary or not. It didn't turn out to be necessary. We could have just walked up, but it made things go a little bit smoother. We actually ate in the main dining room five of the seven nights that we were there. And the other two nights we ate in the pizzeria. So we didn't do any specialty dining at all. We were so impressed with the food in the main dining. Absolutely. Everything we had was good. Lots of variety. I didn't see a lot of repeats throughout the cruise. Uh, And they had some interesting things too. My friend that went with me got really excited about some of the soups they had were a little bit interesting and had kind of different fruits or cold soups. She got really into that. And, you know, dessert is always great. We did steak and lobster one night in the main dining. So to me, for what we like to do, there was not a whole lot of need to go anywhere else. Sure. With uh, staffing shortages across the globe, was there any like service issues or uh, maybe like delays getting your food in the main dining room? Not that I noticed. And we were in there during a time that I think a lot of my fellow cruisers were in there eating. Like it wasn't empty when we were in there. It didn't feel like we had to wait very long for food at all. When you said you went to the pizzeria, is that Alfredo's? Alfredo's, yes. Yeah, how was that? Yeah, it's a reason to cruise Princess. It was awesome. It was some of the better pizza I've had really anywhere because they have an actual pizza oven on the ship. And all the doughs made fresh and they cook it right there. Um, We ate there twice for dinner. We were really surprised there weren't very many people in there eating. I don't know if people knew that it was included in your cruise fare, but definitely would eat there again. Yeah, that's a guilty pleasure of mine. Every time we came in from a shore excursion and when the deck let us right there onto that level, we would just cut off and go right into Alfredo's and order two margarita pizzas. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So good there. Um, so it looks like we covered all the food on the ship. Any um, Anything stick out like the International Cafe or any gelato spots or anything? We're kind of boring, I guess. We didn't get anything from the gelato shop or the International Cafe. We did order specialty coffee a couple of mornings from one of the bars upstairs, kind of does a, a coffee bar in the mornings. And so we got some lattes and things from there a couple of times. But We did a good job of finding gelato off the ship, so Mm -hmm. I didn't feel the need to repeat it on the ship. We did hit the the free soft serve ice cream place. And one thing that was kind of interesting um, was I think the first couple of nights of the cruise, there was something wrong with the the frozen ice cream machine. And so they were actually serving hand-scooped ice cream out of swirls, but then it got fixed. And so we had soft serve the rest of the time. Ah, very cool. And for this seven-night cruise, how was the entertainment? We thought it was really good. We went to two of the musical act shows, and then they had a mentalist on board one evening. 
and a mentalist is not really a mind reader, but somebody who's really good at kind of predicting human behavior. And he was really entertaining and funny and did a nice job, I think, of keeping the crowd engaged. We went to one performance that was kind of show tunes and opera songs and another that was focused on soul music. I was really impressed at the caliber of the singers and the dancers, and they had live orchestra for both. So none of the pre-recorded lip syncing situation, maybe they were lip syncing, but it didn't appear to be. But I'm always impressed at how you can dance and do like partner lifts and things like that on a moving ship. Yeah, no, definitely. What do they utilize the uh, Princess Live Theater for on that ship? Princess Live Theater, that's the the main theater. Um, it's the one that's saw- um, kind of on, uh, I think it's Deck 8, and it's by... In the back? Not the very back. It's right in the middle there, where it's almost like they had like uh, game shows and stuff when I sailed it, but that was oh, years right. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they used it for trivia and game shows. Yeah, there was a game show every night, so like the main show in the big theater they would show at eight o'clock and ten o'clock and then at nine o'clock there was always a game show in the princess live theater we didn't end up going to any of those but we did go to trivia one afternoon on a sea day there and we actually won so that was pretty exciting and outside of the like the the theaters and things like that how was the music around the ship in general like in the atrium or yeah it was great we there was a um an acoustic guitarist we really liked. We taught his show a couple of times. There was sort of a jazz trio that played in the main atrium, which worked out really well when we were eating at Alfredo's, you know, pizza with a view and the jazz trio in the background. That was great. A pianist. There was only one musical act that we weren't super excited about. And it was the group that plays kind of out on deck during afternoons on sea days. Um, They weren't my favorite, but I think for some people it would be fine. All right. And let's talk about the sea days on this cruise. How many sea days did you have on this seven night itinerary? We had two. Um, One, like the very first day, first full day we were on. And then the second one was two days later. So they were early in the cruise. How were they as far as crowds and congestion? We didn't notice any big crowds. We were sailing at about 2,600 people out of a capacity of 3,500. So about two thirds full. And it didn't feel crowded at all. We didn't have any trouble finding deck chairs. We weren't trying to be in the middle of the action in the pool, but like on the main Lido deck, we did notice, you know, most of the chairs were full, but it didn't appear that, you know, it was super crowded or anything like that. There were very few kids on this sailing, I think partly because it was May and partly because, you know, I, I, I don't know that Princess attracts a ton of families with small kids. Um, so we didn't really notice a lot of a lot of that. We did use the pool, the terrace pool on the after the ship. We really liked hanging out back there. We were just kind of lazy on our sea days, spent time in the sun and reading and enjoying food and sunshine and warm weather. Yeah, that's how you're supposed to do it. My, my sea yep. days are eating and sleeping. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah, especially with inside cabin. Naps. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk yep. about your ports of call on this sure. Western Med cruise. Um, so you started in Barcelona. Where'd you go first and what'd you do there? Gibraltar was our first stop. And actually, I was pretty excited about that just because it's kind of obscure and it's not a place that I knew a lot of people who had been there. So I was pretty excited about going. Um, one of the nice things about Gibraltar is that when when the ship docks there, it's really easy to get into the center of town. You can just walk. It's about 20 minutes. We're pretty independent. So we kind of made our own shore excursions. For this one, we took the cable car up to the top of the Rock of Gibraltar and then walked down through the cave and the ape's den. One tip I would give would be if, if that's your plan, book your cable car tickets ahead of time. It allows you to skip the line 
Um, we still had to wait about 20 minutes, even with our pre-booked cable car tickets, but there were folks there that were waiting two or three hours to, to get up to the top. And then the other thing I would say, this is the Rock of Gibraltar is the only place in Europe where you can see monkeys in the wild and they are aggressive. They will steal your snacks right out of your backpack. So you have to be on your guard just a little bit. Yep. I was in Gibraltar. I did the excursion up there and the monkey jumped on me. He took my hat and my eyeglasses <laughs> and he went up on the mountain and a tour guide had to come and lure him back down with a banana. My friend had a, a face mask stolen mm-hmm. out of her purse, but that was it. But then we watched a monkey do very similar to another another person right near us, stole a bag of snacks out That's of her crazy. backpack. <laughs> and then after your eventful day in Gibraltar, where'd you go? The next port stop was Marseille in, mm-hmm. in Provence, southern France. Marseille as a city didn't appeal to us a ton, so we decided to rent a car for the day and drove to Aix-en-Provence, which is a small town in the countryside. Spent kind of the afternoon wandering around there, eating some really good food, bought some macarons, did some shopping. And then we t- we drove over to Cassis, which is a little sea town. It's um, it's really popular with the French and with Europeans, but uh, not, not a ton of Americans. So it was nice just to kind of be there and hang out on the beach a little bit and enjoy the sunshine. We kind of joked, we didn't go to any museums on this trip. We we really were there just for food and sun and sand and enjoying the atmosphere. And, and we did a lot of that. Yeah. The, the um, outdoor markets in Aix-en-Provence are beautiful too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a great place to spend the day. I can't wait to go back and just spend some time in that yeah, area. Sure. And then where, what was next? Uh, Genoa was the next port. Again, Genoa was was nice because the ship docks right downtown. And and if you want to go off on your own, it's really easy to get where you wanted to go. Our original intent there had been to take the the train over to a small town called Santa Margarita de Ligure and then a boat to Portofino. But when we got to Santa Margarita, we kind of fell in love and just spent the day there. Um, ate in an outdoor cafe, had some of the best fresh seafood and pasta that that I've had in a long time. Did some shopping, sat on the beach, and went swimming in the Mediterranean, and then somehow stumbled into a live movie set. And I think we might have messed up one of the takes that they were doing. <laughs> um, but you know, what are you going to do? So yeah, that sounds fun. And then your yeah. uh, fourth porter call was Livorno. A lot of people use the Livorno stop as a way to visit either Florence or Pisa. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to go to Pisa. We took the train, you know, did the things, went and saw the Leaning Tower, took the tourist photos, did all that, and then jumped a train up to Lucca, which is a town about 20 20 minutes north um, on the train line. It's a walled city, so you can kind of walk around the town wall. It's got old Roman ruins and some old churches that were really neat to see and some of the best gelato that I've ever had in my life. I love Pisa because you get to watch everyone take that famous, I'm holding up the leaning tower yeah. pose. Yeah, we totally did it too. Awesome. Like we knew, yeah, we were like, too. we're going, we're going to do it. Why not? So. Yeah. <laughs> and you have, to, you have to like find different spots to, so you're not in their shot, but yours looks unique. And yeah, yep. that's a, yep. that's a so. fun one. Have you ever been yeah, to Florence? Yes, I have. Yeah. Both of us had been to Florence cool. in the past, so that's why we didn't choose to go there. But if I hadn't been to Florence, I think I would have yeah. taken the ship's excursion to Florence. It's far enough away that I would have wanted, you know, the reassurance that I was going to make it back. Was your um, Did you have another stop or did you go straight to Rome? Nope, Rome was it after okay. that. Gotcha. Now, how was your debar? Man, I can't believe they didn't go to Naples. Yeah, I know. I just have awesome. to go back again sometimes. Yeah. So. 
Um, so you make your yeah. way to Rome. How was your, I guess it's Chivas Chevecchi as the port for Rome, yeah. but how was the debark process? Super simple. We didn't have to leave our cabin until about 8.30. The cruise director had come on the loudspeaker the night before and said, about 800 people on the ship were continuing on past Rome and about 1,200 of us were debarking. That math doesn't work. Anyway, there were quite a few people that were staying on the ship and only some of us were debarking. And so it made it really smooth. We didn't have to be out of our cabin until 8.30. So it was probably like 8.25 when we left, went and had some breakfast, walked off the ship. Our bags were waiting for us. Um, One of the things I hadn't thought about before the cruise, but it makes total sense when I look back on it, is because you start in the EU and end in the EU, you don't have to do any kind of customs or immigration when you get off the ship. So you literally pick up your bag and walk out the door, um, which was pretty exciting. And so we hopped on the bus to the train station and took the train into Rome. And we were in Rome probably maybe an hour after we got off the ship. How far is the airport from the cruise ship, like in total, would you say? We went into Rome, the city, but I think the airport is maybe just a little bit closer to the dock than Rome, the city proper. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think I I can't imagine that it would take more than an hour to get from the port at Civitavecchia to the Rome airport. How did testing work for you? Now, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the testing is gone. But how did the testing reentering the U.S. work for you? Yeah, so we had taken um, the EMED proctored tests with us that you can order online. And then you do the EMED test from the comfort of your hotel room with somebody watching you on a webcam. One of the two of our tests worked great. Mine worked just fine. Everything was good. I had my results in hand like 15 minutes afterwards. We we had planned to spend the night in Rome before we flew home. So we were, we were in our hotel room doing that. My friend's test didn't work, though. There was a malfunction with her test. Oh and I I was dumb and didn't bring a backup. And so we ended up having to get our hotel concierge to find us a, a pharmacy that could do the test for her kind of at the last minute. Um, and luckily, the concierge was great. We walked down the street to the pharmacy. She paid 20 euro, got the test, had her official paperwork in about half an hour. So it worked out. Um, I think, you know, if we're ever in, in the environment where we need to pack tests along with us again, I would bring us there. Yeah. Man, 20 euro is pretty cheap. You go to an airport here, they gouge you for 150. Yeah. And that just really depends on like where you're at Mm. in Europe. I think like if you're in the UK, it's much more expensive and like Iceland, it's free. So you just, it depends on where you're going. But hopefully this is not a thing we're going to have to worry about anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it was like 50 at the Amsterdam airport a couple of weeks ago. All right. Well, looking back on this cruise, do you have any tips to offer anyone, whether it be traveling internationally right now or for Princess or the Ports of Call in Europe? Yeah. So tips, I would say one of the things that we really liked about cruising in Europe, I'm, I tend to be kind of a go, 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 go traveler. Maybe you can tell that by the fact that we kind of DIY'd most of our excursions. And so I wasn't sure if I would like cruising in the Mediterranean um, because I, I thought, you know, would I enjoy the fact that we only had 10 or 12 hours or something in a port? Um, but I think what it did was it forced me to slow down and forced me to actually relax on vacation and spend some time quiet time. Um, so, and I really appreciated that I came home rested instead of tired. So I think if you're on the fence, kind of like I was as to whether or not you would enjoy this, um, all I can say is just do it, book it. I can't say enough good things about princess. Pretty much everything was spot on beginning to end a little bit of issue with the Wi-Fi one day, but I mean, you're on a ship at sea. So what are you going to do? 
a lot of extra little touches and nice things, you know, coming back to the ship after being in port all day, they had the, like the literal red carpet rolled out and cold citrus water and cool towels waiting for us. And it was just great. We felt very taken care of beginning to end. Very cool. What was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? In terms of play, Santa Margarita de Ligure, um, I was ready to pack up and move and <laughs> like live there from now on. <laughs> so. Very cool. So Princess, how was the, I always get all these lines confused. So I know Celebrity doesn't let you smoke in the casino. Holland America's hit or miss, depending on what ship you are and what day of the week it is. Is there smoking <laughs> in the Princess Casino and was it noticeable? I believe they allow it. We didn't spend a whole lot of time in the casino. Mm -hmm. Um, They do allow it now that I'm thinking about it, because part of the reason we didn't spend any time in the casino is because you could smell it. Um, But I don't think either of us had huge gambling plans to begin with. And it didn't like leak out into the rest of the ship at all. Mm -hmm. So it was very contained. Did you buy the Wi-Fi package? I did. How was it? Um, I, I was intending to try to get a little bit of work done while I was there. So we did buy that. Weirdly, we found things like FaceTime and Zoom to work really well. And surfing the internet was tough. So yeah. go figure. Yeah. But other than one night that we were at sea, we had at least some connectivity the whole time. Good. Well, in closing, your final thoughts of Regal Princess. Beautiful ship. Uh, I would absolutely sail her again. And uh, I have booked myself on a princess cruise for Alaska for next summer. So I think I'm a a princess convert. Very good. I've been talking with Jennifer about her seven-night Mediterranean cruise on Princess Cruises, Regal Princess. Jennifer, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this review with us. And welcome home. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.